morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Mike Friedenberg with World News Brief. Proud to be one of the rotating hosts here. And this week, we're going to be talking about the elections. I've been holding off on this a bit until about a month later, we finally have the election results. It looks like the Republicans are going to have 222 seats. The Democrats are going to have 213 seats. There's a small chance that could change depending on the uh, results of the recount in District 5 in Colorado, Boebert's district there. But that looks like that's going to stay Republican as well. What I'm going to say here is that we experienced an election disaster. It could have been a catastrophe, and it came within millimeters of being a catastrophe, but it was just merely a disaster. And when I say disaster, I mean when you take a look at what we were expecting, what all the models showed, what all the polling showed, what all of history said, this should have been a massive red wave election. We should have picked up, you know, a minimum 25, 30 seats in the House. Um, there was economic models predicting 40 seats. We should have picked up state houses. We should have kept all our state houses. There's no way the results that we saw should have occurred. I don't believe that in a fair election they would have occurred, but nonetheless, it was only a disaster because by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin, we were able to hold on to the House. But how close it came to the Democrats holding the House, I don't, some, don't think that some people are really, really focusing in on that. If the Democrat operatives and I believe that Soros was involved as well, but regardless, those running the Democrat operations and allocating resources nationwide, if they had not made a mistake and underestimated just how big the red wave was in places like Long Island, where we picked up four House seats, the Republicans picked up four House seats, and some of the races in California were a bit lower Hispanic turnout than expected, plus Republican candidates actually trying to do some ballot harvesting like the Democrats do. They don't do it as well, but that plus the advantage of the red wave managed to have some Republicans pick up some seats they normally would not have picked up in California. This was due to a Democratic miscalculation. They're not perfect, but they did a very good job overall, um, I must say, encountering the red wave. So, we can't really go through the entire election in one segment because that would be really, really long. But I want to just take a higher level look at what happened in the election. And then in future podcasts, take a look in detail at some of the races and some of the real details there so we can understand the devil that was in the details and and really understand that maybe you know there's some things we can do to help stop this from happening in 2024. But one of the first things we need to do is have a, a, a honest and data-driven and fact-driven discussion about what really happened in this race. Number one, we didn't have poor election results because of Donald Trump's involvement in these races. That is a bunch of bunk. There's no evidence to show that whatsoever. What we had here instead is Democrats being very effective in targeting races um, for ballot harvesting and other operations that I don't think were legal. And we had a Republican establishment led by Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell 
that worked in the primaries to savage the conservative candidates. And then in the general, they, they cut off funds from them. They forced them to use their consultants. And really, it looked like what they were thinking is that they had such a big vote margin coming in, um, they were thinking 30, 40 seats, that they were willing to sacrifice, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seats of particularly um, conservative folks that they thought would not fall in line with their establishment, you know, go along to get along agenda. The fact is that in almost all the districts where Donald Trump endorsed candidates were running, and many of these, and not every one of these candidates was perfect, but in a red wave election, many of these candidates should have and could have won if they'd been properly supported. But the bottom line is in those districts, not only was Donald Trump running ahead in popularity of these candidates, but sometimes he was running six, seven points ahead. So the idea that Donald Trump was a drag on these candidates is just ridiculous. For example, um, you know, U.S. Senate race in Pennsylvania, throughout the state, Donald Trump in the big Republican areas that Mehmet Oz needed a good turnout, he was running six to seven points ahead of Mehmet Oz. So Trump, with his rallies and his financial support, which could have been a bit more, I have to admit, he could have done more financially, but he, like probably most of us, thought it was not necessary, was not a drag on the ticket. What was a drag on the ticket was the GOP's establishment's absolute efforts to sabotage Trump-endorsed candidates and candidates that put America first. So because President Trump endorsed so many candidates, there was high correlation between Trump-endorsed candidates and those who lost. That does not mean that was the cause of their loss. The cause of the loss was two factors, GOP establishment sabotage and ineffective support, and very effective Democrat targeting of these candidates with both legal and illegal methods to win the races. Another reason being put forth as to why the red wave did not materialize as we would have liked is abortion. Now, to be sure, Roe v. Wade being reversed right before the election, beautiful timing by the Supreme Court, by the way, on that, was not a positive for Republicans as a whole. There was some districts where it probably was, some districts where it probably wasn't. But abortion by itself in no way, shape, or form was enough to to overcome all the factors saying this was going to be a red wave. The economy, an incredibly unpopular president, the craziness around the transgender stuff, very unpopular, the school board issues um, with school boards ignoring parents, Crime, of course, you know, issue after issue, the border, Afghanistan. Yes, abortion was not a positive overall, but it was not the reason the red wave was stopped in so many places. So it wasn't President Trump, and it wasn't abortion, and it certainly was not the messaging. Sure, the commitment to America messaging was bland, it was unspecific, it was not heavily promoted. It didn't do anything really to help Republicans, but it didn't really do anything to hurt Republicans. And frankly, we had the messaging. We had the messaging about all the things that were going wrong, and Republicans were actually also talking about positive solutions to it. You know, hey, I will get rid of uh, 
no cash bail. I will, you know, work to put solutions into effect that, you know, bring back control to our border. I will work to, you know, cut down inflationary type policies. Republicans were pairing up the attacks on what was happening on the Democrats and Biden with positive solutions. It makes me laugh when, um, and I, I like Christy Noem, you know, South Dakota government, when she comes out and says her brilliant strategy was to also talk about positives. And that's why she did so well in South Dakota. It also makes me laugh when Ron DeSantis comes out and says it was his bold vision that helped him do so well in Florida. Yes, it actually was. But one of the first things that Ron DeSantis did when he first got elected in 2018, in fact, the first thing he did is he moved forward quickly to start addressing election integrity issues. He understood that his narrow, narrow win in 2018, well, part of the reason that it was so narrow is there was plenty of fraud happening in Florida, and he realized that he moved forward to correct that and get strong election integrity provisions in place so that the next time people ran in Florida in, in 2020 or 2022, they would actually get the real results like President Trump did extremely well in 2020 in Florida because it was a fairly run election. And in 2022, Ron DeSantis, because of his bold vision and the fact that he had established strong election integrity provisions, did extremely well. So if you're talking about how well you did in a particular place in the country, and there were a few few bright spots like Iowa, the universal constants in most of these places that did well, that actually saw the red wave, is they had strong election integrity provisions in place, and they had the Democrats understanding that if weird things and odd things happened, that there would be investigations. The exception to this is places like New York and California, where they don't really have strong election integrity provisions in place, but the Democrats thought these states were so blue that they did not devote the resources necessary to protect some seats that they should have. And thank heavens that they didn't, because if they had, we would have a Democrat House right now with Nancy Pelosi as the speaker. So it wasn't the messaging. Not to say that better messaging might have helped in you know, a handful of races if they were really, really close. Um, Obviously, a, a unified message like we had with the contract with America under Newt Gingrich would have helped counteract some of the uh, ballot harvesting and the fraud that went on. But it, that is not the reason we did not have the red wave. So it wasn't Donald Trump, it wasn't abortion, and it wasn't the messaging. And neither was it the electorate's fear that election deniers were going to be elected. The electorate about 50 to 60% electorate, depending how you measure it and which poll you look at, has doubts about election integrity. They're not voting against the candidate because the candidate is concerned about election integrity in past elections. The Republicans almost universally are concerned about the election integrity of past elections. And the Democrats know there was election integrity issues, but they just don't admit to it in the polling. So that was not the issue either. So let's talk about the real reason we did not have the red wave in selected locations of the country. So 
let me just back up and say, yes, I still believe there is a red wave, but it was selectively and effectively countered by a blue wave of Democrat ballots in certain key areas and locations. I'm going to identify some of the top locations, and they're not a, it's not a big surprise. Resources were dedicated to, to states and races that they had vulnerable Senate seats or the chance to pick up a Senate seat, states and races where there was governorships they could pick up or, or they needed to defend. And they also targeted the most vocal folks talking about election integrity. They want to shut down the discussion on election integrity and voter fraud. That was that was some of their top goals, and they had hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. Um, you know, we don't know exactly how much the money came out of the FTX laundering operations, but they had plenty of money to do it. And if you take a look at the states that the red wave seemed to have fizzled versus the states where the red wave did well, you find one thing in well, you find one common explanation. The states that had credible election integrity provisions in place and a state legislature and a governor that potentially would investigate irregularities in elections, the red wave happened. In the states where you did not have these types of forces in place, the red wave did not happen. And when I'm talking about the states, I'm mainly talking about the competitive states um, the, the, you know, the heavy, heavy blue states, I have not really looked at those. I'm sure there was fraud issues there, but those weren't the ones that, you know, really were the, you know, where we counted. Obviously, if there was a competitive district there and it was an outspoken supporter of Trump that was dubious about the results of 2020, they targeted these people. That is the explanation. Now, as far as the fraud goes, you know, you have to look at each case individually. I do agree that the Republican Party needs to look at how they do elections differently. While the election harvesting itself, if it was legal, would not have it enough to completely counter, almost completely counter, except for those, those key areas that I was discussing, like Florida and Iowa, and uh, also uh, was one other state, Ohio for sure, those three states for sure, and some other states and other locations where the red wave did happen. We do need to look how we do elections. Um, for right now, mail by vote and ballot harvesting is here to stay in a lot of states. So we do need to recognize that. Um, but we also need to recognize that the states that are fraud-friendly with fraud-friendly state government and fraud-friendly state judges, and that we also need to figure out a way to how to handle that. And that is a whole nother podcast but I do think there are some ideas there. And um, in particular, what they did in Wisconsin, we'll discuss that in a future podcast. But for right now, let's go ahead and put some flesh on the bones of what we've been talking about by looking at the situation in Arizona. As I'm sure you're all aware, there was lots and lots of weird and bad things that happened on Election Day in Arizona. That was particularly, particularly bad for Carrie Lake's campaign because she had specifically been urging her voters not to vote early, but to vote on Election Day. The rationale behind this, and this has not been generally discussed by her campaign in the press, I don't think so, but I had somebody let me know that this was going on that's involved with election integrity efforts throughout the country, 
is that there was a concern on the part of the Lake campaign that vote filtering was happening. And the way this works is the Democrats or the Republicans or anybody, you can go to the registrar and you can see if somebody has voted early. It won't tell you who they voted for, but it will tell you if they voted early. So if there's somebody that's, you know, a high propensity Republican voter and they vote early, then what would happen is the Democrats would say, okay, so there's a vote for Kerry Lake there. We need to counter that vote. Let's take one of the, you know, the tens of thousands of the votes through registration forms we've harvested, fill it out and submit it. And so they check every day to see who's voted, and then they would filter these these uh, ballots in, you know, you doing the drop boxes, drop them off at two or three, four, five, six at a time, so that they're always within striking distance of how Kerry Lake's doing, no matter what. And they've got models, they look at it, so they don't want to put too many votes into the system, you know, versus election day, but they're basically, the, the goal is, is that, you know, that they're going to stay within striking distance, and then they could do the last and mail-in ballots and put themselves in over the top. Well, their plan to do this was foiled because a lot of Carrie Lake's voters were following her advice and not going to vote until Election Day. So what could the Democrats do? They could, you know, bring a massive slew of votes in at the last minute, but that would be so anomalous that they might even actually force Governor Ducey to do an investigation. As unlikely as that might seem, they might force him to do an investigation and come alongside the state legislature to do something like that. So instead, what they did is apparently they came up with this, this plan to have campaign machine malfunctions in high-propensity Republican areas. And the pattern on this is absolutely unassailable. 70% of the districts that suffered the malfunctions were in high-propensity districts, and those high propensity Republican districts, when you include the Dem the independents that were likely to vote Republican, were like 70% districts. So these are districts that were going to turn in 70% votes for Kerry Lake and 30% votes for Hobbs. These are the districts that were sabotaged by the election day voting. Now, a judge was asked to extend voting, and by the way, this kind of request is standard, has been honored dozens of times throughout the country in the last 10 years, and especially in Democrat areas, you know, where even an election delay, you know, caused by somebody have to wait a bit longer, judges have extended the election. But this judge chose not to do so. So in a county where there was 1.6 million votes, even being able to depress the turnout in those key election voting areas for Carrie Hobbs by a couple points would actually put her past Carrie Hobbs in the vote totals. So the idea that this did not have any impact on the results of the governor's race is just a bunch of baloney. Now, when it comes to Blake Masters, you know, running against uh, Kelly, you know, the incumbent, um, I'm willing to believe that's possible, you know, given Blake Masters' late surge and the amount of early votes in, that, um, you know, he could have lost to Mark Kelly. But Kerry Lake was ahead in the polling by really, really good pollsters for weeks ahead of this election. So it's just no way that she lost that election if it was a fair election. So I'm hoping that they will have a judge 
that will have some integrity and some courage to really take a look at this and just say, hey, this was bogus um, at the bare minimum. Well, we don't want a recount because the recount's not going to re-help it because what happened is they managed to you know, have people not show up to vote by making it hard to vote. And for some people, there could be people in situations where literally they had a block of time where they could vote. In fact, I'll give you an example. Normally in Maricopa County, you will have this a block of votes that come in between 6 and 9 in the morning. And historically, this has been around 45,000 votes. This time around, it turned out to be only 17,000. Now, that's what I heard reported. If that turns out to be true, well, that's dramatic. Right then and there, right there in that little 6 to 9 segment, you potentially could have enough votes to have a completely different election and a Kerry Lake win. So that's just one example of, of, you know, blatant election fraud there. And as far as the vote filtering type operation goes, you probably can do a statistical analysis. People will be doing that. I believe there's evidence for there. We saw evidence of that back in 2020 where people did, you know, very, very detailed analysis of voter files and showed that evidence. Unfortunately, they did not get official support to actually get official data from the registrar. They had to use their own private data sources. But this is the kind of stuff that goes on, and that's just one case. That's Arizona. And Arizona is incredibly important, and obviously the Democrats are going to target it because if they can have a Democrat governor to counter the Republican legislature, then there's no chance of any kind of election fraud investigation in 2024 and they can continue to do what they've been doing. Donald Trump, I believe, strongly won that race in 2020. But I don't think a Republican's going to win that race in 2024. The one exception might be is, you know, if, you know, let's say the Republican candidate, let's say it's Donald Trump, is ahead by 20 points going into the election on Election Day in Arizona— they couldn't cover up that much fraud. But if it's within four or five points, they've shown that they can get away with it. So that's just one specific example of um, what happens to the red wave. Um, but there's some other examples we'll look at in future podcasts. We're going to take a look at what happened in Michigan. Um, we're also going to take a look at what happened in Florida that was good. And then we're going to talk in a future podcast about what a intrepid group of election integrity activists were able to accomplish in Wisconsin that may actually have saved Senator Ron Johnson's seat. So thanks for listening, and until next time, live long and prosper.